This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. I can tell that, you know, uh, what I want to talk to you about this morning is already bubbling up out of the inside of me because, you know, I really believe this, that there are many Christians and many of us, uh, many people in the body of Christ that are mentally unprepared. They're not mentally prepared to enter the promised land. They're not ready to receive inheritance, the inheritance that the Father gave them since the foundations of the world. Joshua is an Old Testament example of what is expected of us in the New Testament. You have to understand Joshua is a type of Jesus. He's a, he's a, he's a, a pictorial figure in the Old Testament of what's expected of you and I. And, and so many Christians, and I think even including myself sometimes, are not walking in the place where God can work through them to enforce Jesus's, the things that Jesus has already obtained for us. How many of you know our job is to enforce God's covenant, to enforce what Jesus has already paid for? And he's given us total and complete victory over Satan and his demonic kingdom. Jesus said, all power has been given to me on heaven and on earth. And And he goes on, he says, and I bestow that power on you. But a lot of us don't believe that. We don't really believe that we have that kind of authority. We don't really believe that God has given us authority over all the works of the enemy. We believe Jesus had it, but we don't believe that we do. See, one of the primary reasons that Christians and that you and I are not doing the works that Jesus did, and I'm not talking about the greater uh, it, it just, just you know, I'm not even talking about the greater works. I'm just talking about the works he did. It's because we don't see ourselves as God and Jesus see us. The Holy Spirit really brought this point home to me recently as I was reading the first chapter of the book of Joshua. Even though he knew that he would be the one to lead Israel after Moses' death, he was still mentally unprepared. He wasn't ready to lead Israel. He wasn't ready to lead them into the promised land. And when the day finally arrived for him to lead, he just, he, he wasn't capable. Sometimes we think, oh, Joshua, he was just really, he wasn't. And, 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 you know, there's a, there's a whole teaching that I grew up with uh, when I was young called the Joshua Generation. I'll never forget, we, 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 you know, there was a bunch of us young guys, and there was, we had all these old leaders. We had guys like Kenneth Hagin and, you know, guys like Lester Summerall and these guys. And there's a whole group of young guys. They came up and said, it's time for those guys to get out of the way and for the, now time for the Joshua Generation. The Joshua Generation. The only problem was we'd never read our Bible. Do you know how old Joshua was when he finally got the, 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 the leadership call? He wasn't some young guy. He wasn't taking the call. He, he had to wait till Moses died. Moses was 120 years. Joshua must have been at least 80, 
minimum, probably 85, 95 years old before he ever got the reins of, of, of the church. It's time for the next generation. Yeah, well, the next generation, you know, needs to also mature and grow and be able to do what they need to do. Just tap your neighbor and say, Joshua, hold on, hold on. <laughs> so what I'm saying is I, I think today Christians, many Christians are mentally unprepared to enter their promised land. And we talk about entering the promise, and boy, we've had some great teaching. Uh, you know, I was very, very pleased with the, the twists and turns of how God has instructed us on this topic. I, be, I really believe God gave me the topic. I believe God gave us the uh, insight to know that, that we are entering into a promise. I think some of you can sense we're entering into a new season. But, uh, you know, the doctrine the seasoned ministry of Dr. Gurupira. Uh, Tommy, I thought yesterday when you came back with the other angle of that, look, it's not just the promise, it's also the promise keeper. Boy, I thought that was such an amazing, amazing truth, and I deeply appreciated that. And uh, anyway, Ephesians 1 says this, verses 3 through 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. He's blessed us with how many spiritual blessings? All spiritual blessings. In, hev in heavenly placings in Christ. To the pleasure of his will. God has a will for you and I. God has a will for us to conquer. He has a will for us to take dominion. He has a will for us to bring about his kingdom in the earth. And I'm concerned that many people think that their lives is just to be lived in this world. And somehow, you know, we've taken on this idea of nihilism. That when you die, it's all over. Some Christians do believe that there's an eternal life, and many of you hope for one, but you still live as though this life is, what the, is the life that counts. We live well in this life, but we live for a, an inheritance. We live for something much more. We, we, we live to establish his kingdom. That's the whole purpose. So let's begin this teaching. Let's go to Deuteronomy, fourth chapter. Guys, I don't know why we keep dropping out. We need to get that fixed because it, it seems to be dropping out more and more. No, I don't want to use the handheld. You get this fixed, okay? So let's begin in Deuteronomy 34. Uh, and the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto the seed. I have caused thee to see it with your eyes. But thou shalt not go over thither. So Moses, of the, serv the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. Moses has just finished blessing the 12 tribes of Israel. God tells him in verse 4 that 
the land that he's promised to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob, the land of promise that Moses would see in a vision, but he would never enter into it. You all know the story. He's taken up onto Mount Nebo. If ever you go to Israel with us, we often go over to Jordan and we go up and we stand on Mount Nebo and you can look into the promised land. It's one of the highest mountains and a very interesting place, very interesting to see. God is repeating what he's already told Moses in Deuteronomy 32. 32 verse 52, he says, Yet thou shalt see the land before thee, but you shall not go thither unto the land which I have given unto the children of Israel. So Moses is not going to get to go into the promised land. Moses, although he led the children of Israel, although he, but he's not going in. So in verse 5 it says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died, and there in the land of Moab, there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Now, here's an interesting thing. Moses is called the servant of the Lord 18 times in the Bible. That word servant is an unusual word. It means, uh, it's a word... Evda, or doulos in the Greek, and it's a term used with great honor and great respect, especially in reference to those who serve God. And I want you to know something. God really does reverence and does respect people that will serve him. And it would behoove you as leaders, it would behoove you as members of the church to respect those that God uses. I want to show you how much God respects them. Moses is the example of the, from the Old Testament of what it means to be God's servant. He spoke to God. He reasoned with God. He even reminds God that before he wipes Israel off the face of the earth that they were his people that he had chosen. He makes intercession on their behalf. He keeps God from destroying them. Why could Moses speak to God in the way that he did? Well, Deuteronomy 34, verse 10 says, And there arose not a prophet since, it, or since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Exodus 33, 11, you know what it says. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friends. And I love Psalm 107, 103, verse 7. It says, He, the Lord, made known his ways unto Moses, but his acts unto the children of Israel. There are many Christians today that don't know the ways of God. They only know the acts of God. There are many Christians today that have never taken the time to really spend time to get to know God. They only know what they see God do for them. There are many leaders today that have never really had an encounter with God in the sense that they know God. They know what God can do. And that's why when you around men and women of God who know their God. They do exploits. They do powerful things. And sometimes they're even peculiar people. All the men of God I've ever met are kind of peculiar. But they have a relationship with God and they, and they know what God's doing. I want, I want you to be aware that there, there's a respect that God has for his men. In Deuteronomy 34, verses 6 through 12, it says, And he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, over against Beth Peor. But no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. And Moses was 120 years old when he died, and his eyes were not dim, nor his nature, natural force uh, abated. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. 
Now listen to this. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him, and they did as the Lord commanded Moses. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants, to his land, and in all the mighty hand in which the great terror with which Moses showed in the sight of all of Israel. I, I like verse 6. It says, the Lord buried Moses. You know, the Lord loved Moses so much that he honored Moses by burying him himself. See, the Lord buried Moses. No other prophet was given this honor. Even though the Lord wouldn't allow him to inhabit the promised land, he showed all of Israel what he thought of Moses. What he was really telling Israel was, I'm going to show you how special Moses really was. You're not going to bury him. I'm going to bury him. Now, you may want to write this verse down if you're taking notes. Numbers 27, I'll just read it real quick. It says, And Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the... Of, of, Moses 27, verses 15 to 23. Moses spoke unto the Lord and said unto the Lord, Let the God of the spirits of all flesh set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, which may go in before them, which may lead them out, which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man whom is upon, upon whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him, and set him before Eleazar the priest, before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. And you shall put some of thine honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient." And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest and shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of the Urim before the Lord. At his word they shall go out, and at his word they shall come in, both he and all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation he laid hands on him, and he gave him a charge as the Lord commanded at the hand of Moses. I want you to understand that Joshua knew what was going on. Moses is still alive. Joshua has hands laid on him in front of the priest, in front of the congregation. He knows he's the heir apparent. He knows what he's supposed to do. Is that correct? Now turn with me to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1. I want you to look at this. This is the crux of the message. I heard myself preaching over there. <laughs> Put a microphone on that. That sounded better than me. Joshua chapter 1 verse 1. It says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua the son of Nun. Listen to what he says. Moses, oh, oh, Moses' minister saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. 
Now therefore arise, go over the Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I shall give unto them, even to the children of Israel. Now, in verse 1, we see that Joshua is now Israel's leader. But he still hasn't gotten to grips with the death of Moses. This period of mourning was over, but he hadn't taken charge of Israel. Joshua knew that he would be Moses' successor. Israel knew that he was supposed to be the successor. But now the day has arrived. It was time for Joshua to do what he'd been prepared to do, what he'd been called to do, and what he was capable of doing. Verse 2, the Lord has to remind Joshua that Moses is dead. He's looking to Joshua to stand up and be the man. What does God say? He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. That's a peculiar thing. Don't you think he knew? Why would this be in the Bible? It's as if he's taking Joshua by the shoulders and shaking him and saying, Hey, Moses is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead, Joshua. He's not coming back. I've buried him. Now get up. Get off your rusty dusty. Stand up. Be a man. So what does this mean to you and I today? Well, you see, when Jesus was on the earth, the Bible says he did everything that his father told him to do. God worked through him. He healed the lame. He gave sight to the blind. He raised the dead. He cast out devils. You see, it was Jesus who was God's beloved son. Jesus, the Bible says, pleased God. Now, he no longer physically walks in the earth. Jesus told us that we would have to enforce what he had accomplished. In John 14, 12, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, you shall do also. And greater than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. See, what God is telling you and I is that Jesus, my beloved son, my obedient son, my anointed son, is no longer here. He's no longer with us. He's gone. So get up, stand up, and be that man or be that woman that I've called you to be and set my people free. My people need you, he says. I need you. Just like Joshua, can you see that you and I have a job to do? We're called to do something. A job that you're capable of doing? Let's look at verses 3 and 4. Joshua 1, verses 3 and 4. Carry on. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given to you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even to the great river, the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the coast towards the, uh, uh, the, un toward the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. See, the Lord reminds Joshua that he's kept his promise to Israel through him. He tells Joshua that the promise has already been kept. Joshua didn't see it this way. That's why God's shaking him. That's why God's speaking to him. He's making sure that Joshua understood it the same way that God understood it. 
He said, look, I've already given you the land. He says, you don't have, he says, you have to go take it. But he says, I've already done the work. He says, I, from here to here, I've set the boundaries for you. I have news for you. Every one of you as pastors, God's given you a boundary to do something. If you can believe it. And nothing can stop it. Every one of you in, as, that's a believer, God's given you a boundary to operate in. If you can grasp it, if you can do what God called you to do. But some of us don't believe it. We're still, we're waiting for something. You see, Christians are still waiting for God to do something. They're waiting for him to keep his promise. Whether it's healing or prosperity or peace. They're still waiting for deliverance that became theirs the moment they got born again. Those things are purchased for you. They're yours. But like Joshua, it's up to you to go and take what is already yours. Some of you are waiting for God to do it. You still have a slavish mentality. God says, I saved you. I've delivered you. I've given you my blood. I've given you my name. I've given you all authority over all the power of the enemy. He says, I've given you a covenant of healing. I've given you a covenant of prosperity. I've given you a covenant of blessing. Oh, God, would you save us? God saved you. Yeah, but God, no, you're still thinking like you're in the Old Testament. You're still thinking like you're a slave. God says, no, go take the land. It's up to you to be bold. That's where your faith comes in. That's where you have to be led forth. That's where you have to take the authority that God's given you and stop being fearful. Joshua, will you stand up and show yourself a man? Look at verse 5. There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of your life. As I was with Jesus, I mean Moses, so shall I be with thee, I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. That's for you. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Let me tell you something, you, we do not understand who we are as, as Christians. Jesus actually gave the authority of rulership of the earth to himself. And his church. But we don't act like it. We act like, well, you know, the politicians have all the power. The politicians are lost. You can see the very way that they lead the country. They have no idea what they're doing. They're all over the place. We can't even fix a pothole. We can't even fix a traffic light. And their only solution to every problem is more taxation. Or change the currency system. Or, or some crazy law. It's time for men and women of God to stand up and say, no, here's how, the, here's how governance takes place. Here's how leadership takes place. Here's, and, and, and to reach out, and not just in the political realm, I'm talking about in every facet of life. Is there authority in Jesus or isn't there? Did Jesus pay the price or didn't he? Did Moses lead the people or didn't he? Then what are you sitting there for, Joshua. There shall not be any man able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Jesus, I will be with you. I will not fail you and I will not forsake you. 
He's telling, look, look, God's telling Joshua, nobody will be able to defeat you as long as you live. I'll be with you just like I was with Moses. And I'll be faithful to you like I was faithful to Moses. God's saying the same thing to you and I. The difference is that our Moses is Jesus. The Lord's telling Joshua that if you let me, I'll be as close to you as I was to Moses. I'll exalt you in the eyes of the people like I did Moses. But you'll have to let me do this. Will you let Jesus do this in your life? Really, 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 will you? See, during this time on earth, Jesus, when he lived here, when Jesus walked the earth, he lived victoriously. Nothing caught him by surprise. And even in death, he was victorious. I want you to know this is available to you and I today. We can, from this day forward, walk in complete victory in every aspect of our lives. That's a promise. It's a promise from the Word of God. And just like God was with Jesus, he'll be with you. Just like God never forsook Jesus, he'll never forsake you. He is with us. He never forsakes us. Now, does that mean we're not going to have some hard times? No, we're going to have terrible times. All who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There will come tribulations. There will become tests. There will come trials. But it's not the tests and the trials that define us. It's that we go through these tests. It's that we overcome the tests. It's that we are overcomers, that we, that we conquer these things. We're more than conquerors through Christ. We learn to live in, the, in, 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 the, in this anointing. And we now become his ambassadors, knowing that we have the whole authority of heaven backing us. It's not God who forsakes us. It's you and I who are the ones that do the forsaking. It's you and I are the ones that walk away from the promises of God. We do it by our words and we do it by our actions. God desires to be as close to us as he was with Jesus. He desires the same relationship with us that he had with Jesus. But it's you and I that have to make that room for him. We must make ourselves available to him. Joshua 1, 6 says, you know, God says to him, be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Be strong and of good courage. Bishop Vaughn hit this pretty strong the other day. Be of good courage. It's going to take courage to do this. Courage. Courage. One writer wrote it this way. He said, have courage and then play the man. Be the man. You see, the Lord was telling Joshua to be confident and be peaceful about the task that was ahead. How could Joshua be confident and how could he be peaceful? Well, because God had just told him that he would be with him just like he was with Moses and that he would always be by his side. See, sometimes we like to make these stories romantic. You know, oh, Joshua, just go. No, no, it's the same as you. You're Joshua. Yes. Jesus is telling you, I'll be, and God's telling you, I'll be with you just like I was with Jesus. I'll be by your side just like I was with, 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 with my son Jesus. I'll do the same signs and wonders through you that I did through my son Jesus. 
I want you to enter in and take the promise. But you're going to have to do it by faith. You're going to have to do it. Can you believe me that I'll be with you? Oh, well, and you get mad at Joshua. Why did he have to tell him three or four times, be strong and be courageous? See, the Lord's telling you and I that if we put our total trust, our complete and unwavering trust in him, we can be confident, we can be peaceful about what lies ahead of us, about what our task is in God. Just, just hold your fingers there in Joshua. We're going to come back there. And, and it, just turn to 2 Corinthians. I want you to see this. You know this, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5 Verses 17 through 21 says this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of him or the righteousness of God in Christ. That, that word reconcile is a very powerful word, and it means this, to repair and restore the relationship and to bring it back to its original intent. We're to reconcile. We're not just to reconcile men, we're reconciling the whole earth. We're to be the reconcilers. And reconciliation isn't just being soft and say, well, let's just get everybody in the room and, you know, agree to disagree. No, it's, No. A, reconcil a reconciliation is there's something not right here on this balance sheet. Let's do the forensic audit. Let's find out why we don't have this balance. It may get ugly. Somebody stole something. Somebody broke something. There's, there's, there's been a breach here. We need to repent. We need to restore so that we can reconcile, so that we can come into the inheritance that God has for us. And we are terrible at this. We are terrible at being reconcilers. We sweep things under the carpet. We, we, well, that's, you know, just, we just love each You're not loving anybody by telling them that, hey, what you're doing is fine. Not reconciling. Husbands and wives don't talk about the problem. There's an elephant in the middle of the room and they walk around it every day of their life. Pastors don't talk about real issues. I was talking to our, our bishop here. We, we have pastors in this city, and we play this little religious game. Praise the Lord, brother. We don't talk to each other. We don't love each other. We're fighting. We would steal each other's sheep if we could. I would, I would steal a sheep for his tithe. But in, praise God. No, we're not we, we don't steal sheep. We, we're, we, 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 we got to get to, we, we, we have pastors that are doing immoral things. We have pastors that, are, that, that have lied. We have, and, and, we, and we have no power to correct each other. 
The church is weak. It's insipid. It's terrible. And the only, the only thing worse than the church is our politics, our politicians. They're the worst. They lie out of both sides of their mouths. It's true. When a politician's mouth is moving, you can know this, it's a lie. <laughs> it's true. They don't tell the truth, and they even admit it. Just read the newspaper. If you just read the newspaper the last year, how many times they've changed their mind. I mean, I, I, to me it's a joke. I just read the headlines. I don't ever read the newspaper. I just read the headlines. I say, okay, okay, we've changed the currency. No, now we're changing it back again. No, you, you, we're taxing. No, we're not taxing. We're... It's children trying to run a nation. No, it, 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 it's childishness. But what, is, what do we need? We need ambassadors. We need reconcilers. We need people that can step into a position where they can use something higher than what we're using now. Einstein said that, that you cannot solve a problem at the level it was created. So what is our problem? We have a wisdom problem in Zimbabwe. We don't have a knowledge problem. Hey, everybody has a PhD in this country. You're all so smart. But, but we're so smart that we can't figure anything out. We don't have a knowledge problem. We have a wisdom problem. And what we need are some anointed men and women. We need somebody that Moses laid hands on. Moses laid hands on Joshua and said, now... You're the man. A portion of the anointing that's been on me will come on you. And you'll be able to lead people the same way I led Israel. You'll lead them. And God's encouraging this man. I'm, I'm, I wanna, I'm, I'm trying to encourage our pastors mainly. But I'm trying to encourage all of you. That there's an anointing on you. That we need some anointed men and women. We need to let Jesus rise in our hearts. We need to let there be a Jesus. A Christ. Who can interface with a, a lost and dying world with, with, where there's ignorance and foolishness going on. But Christians are part of the problem. Oh, we're just waiting for God to do... God's not doing anything. God says, I'm waiting for you. Reminds me of the farmer. He, he put an ad in the newspaper. He needed a helper. This young boy comes, smart, strong, young, strapping lad, and Farmer says, come on, let's get in, the, get in my truck and let's go. They drive out. He says, let me show you the farm. And they're driving around the farm. And they get to the first gate. The farmer says, get out and open the gate. The young boy says, no, you do it. He says, I hired you to help me. He says, you get out and open the gate. He says, no, you do it. If you can't do it, I'll come and help you. But that's exactly how it is with God. Some of you are saying, oh, go, Holy Spirit, go do it. God says, no, no, you do it, and I'll come and help you. You're waiting for God to do what he told you to do. Oh, God, and you have all night prayer meetings to do it. Oh, you'll pray all night, but you won't get up and lift one finger to do what God told you to do. I'm so tired of all the prayer. Prayer, 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 prayer. Okay, fine, fine. Keep praying. Now, do the other as well. Get up off your butt and do something. Uh, get off your rusty dusty and do something. 
Is there a God in heaven? Is there an anointing? Is there something that God put on the inside of you? Are you willing to confront evil by acting? Are you willing to speak? Are you willing to be an ambassador for a king? Oh, yeah, but what if they get upset with me? They'll get upset with you. What if somebody doesn't like me? They won't like you. The world hates you already. Oh, we want to go into the promise. Okay. You really want to go into the promise? Turn back to Joshua 1, 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses thy, my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper wherever thou goest. God's just reiterating to Joshua the need for absolute confidence and trust in him. Why? So that he could do everything that Moses did. That everything that Moses commanded him to do. You see, if Joshua stayed on the path that Moses laid out, he would always prosper. If you and I all stay on the path that Jesus laid out, we will prosper. The word prosper means to be prudent, to act with insight, understanding, and devotion. Joshua will prosper in every area every area of his life as long as he's following Moses' commandments. What does it mean for you and I today? Well, it means this. Jesus left you and I commandments. How do we receive those? We receive them by staying in his presence, by staying in his word. If you abide in my words and my words abide in you, in me, in you, you can ask what you will, and it's given to you of your Father who's in heaven. Jesus gave us a beautiful example. The analogy that he used was the vine and the branches. He says, if you are grafted into the, into the vine, he says, the, the branches take their source of life from the vine. If you abide in me, if you abide in the vine, you'll bear much fruit. Jesus was plugged into the Father. Jesus was in... And the father were one, and, and, and he prospered. Everything he did, the prosperity he demonstrated, was what would be available to you and I as members of the kingdom of God. Look at verse 8, Joshua 1, 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in it day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. I'm shocked at how many Christians don't meditate in the law. They don't meditate in their Bibles. They don't know enough Bible to beat themselves out of a wet paper bag. You know, I love getting around men of God. You know, Bishop Vaughn and I get together. It, it's, like a, it's like a word fest. We start speaking to each other and we speak the word one to another. It's, he draws the word out of me, and I draw the word out of him. But we're both full of the word. We're full of the word. You know, you know you're having fellowship with a saint when you're speaking the word of God to each other. But when I get with some of my pastors, when I get with pastors in the city, we're talking everything but the word of God. What does the word say? Uh, you know, well, who, what, who, what does that matter? Here's what I think. That's our problem. We have too much of what we think and not what God says. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you think. What does God say? Meditate in his law both day and night. 
then you'll make your way prosperous. One writer put it this way. He said, the law that you have in writing must govern every utterance of thine. The word meditate means to mutter, to speak, to mold to yourself, to chew the cud. Spending time meditating in God's word and confessing what the word says about us are the keys to our prosperity. They're the keys to our success. Our prosperity and our success are based on our relationships with the one who will be with us like he was with Jesus. It's based on our relationship with the one who promised that he would never fail us. He would never forsake us. He would never let us down. He would never disappoint us. He would never embarrass us. He would never turn his back on us. Do you believe that? Because some of us act like, hey, you can't trust God. Tommy talked about trust. He got angry with me because I, I must have preached three sermons to him on the way. Kept telling him, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? But let me tell you something. When a man gives you his trust, that's, that's everything. And if you ever break a trust, there's nothing. There's nothing left. If I can't trust you, if you can't trust me, then there's nothing. We may as well call it quits because you can't work with somebody you don't trust. You can't be with somebody you don't trust. Now, trust can be earned back. But once trust is given, how many of you don't trust God? Hmm, you never know what God's going to do. <laughs> I, you, you know, I know God said, but that means you don't trust him. But means you don't trust him. Yeah, I know what the Bible says, but that means you don't trust him. But the but means you don't trust him. I used to preach a message called, get your butt in the right place. Not your butt, literally. I mean, <laughs> the butt in the Bible. See, many people have called those things that are as though they are not. And the Bible says, call those things that are not as though they are. That means you have your butt in the wrong place. Here's how you, here's, let me explain it to you. When you come out and you say, I'll never forget, a, a preacher friend of mine had a big old cast on his foot. He's walking on the stage. I'm healed. Praise God, I'm healed. I'm healed. Man, it didn't ring true to me. For some reason, I didn't think he was healed. See, there's a difference. He, if he would have come out and said this, he, I broke my foot, but I believe that I'm being healed. I believe I'm healed in Jesus' name. There's a big difference between saying I am healed, calling that which is as though it's not, or calling that which is not as though it is. Here's how I know if you're in faith or not. You come to me and you say, yeah, I know what God said. The word of Bible, the Bible says this, the Bible says that. The Bible. But, <laughs> you know, the politicians, but, you know, the, but, but. Well, you got your butt in the wrong place. So if you come to me and you don't deny what it is, you say, oh, 
you know, we have a real problem with our government. We have a real problem with uh, one of our pastors. We have a real problem with one of our leaders. But I believe that God is doing this. I, see, now, guess what? Now you're moving in faith. You're not exalting the problem. You're exalting the word. And that's what Joshua had. Joshua had a problem. Joshua had it reversed. He's waiting. Moses is dead. Would you get up and act like what I said was true? Meanwhile, he's waiting for God to do something. God says, I've already done it all. I've given you. I've anointed you. I've had Moses lay hands on you in front of all of Israel. He says, would you just get up and lead? Some of you are still waiting for another anointing. You're still waiting. What are you waiting for? Oh, well, you know, I, I know God called me. I know I'm anointed. I went to Bible school. I don't. But, but, but. Well, what's the but? Bowden phoned me and he asked me, he says, hey, I don't think we can do church in England like we did in, in, in Harare. I said, I never asked you to do it like we did in Harare. I said, how do you think God's leading you? He said, I think we're supposed to start a cafe, a coffee shop. And, and these, people are, are, these people don't even know the gospel anymore. They, they're, they're so far from God. They used to be Christians and now they're just heathens. He says, they just need, they're, they're lonely though. Well, start, do that. I, th I think if we start feeding people... Guess, guess what? Do you, do you know what's happening in England? All the churches there are looking to him as their leader. Oh, how did you do this? What are you doing? He's the youngest kid in the, in, in the community, but the community and all the churches, the big churches are saying, wait, wait, we, we, we find that we're being more and more irrelevant and you're being more relevant. But you know what? He could have sat there and said, well, you know, I, you know, I don't feel like I can preach like Pastor Tom does and like Pastor Greg did. And I don't, our, our church is scattered because, you know, we, we were a gathered church. And you can have all the excuses in the world. But, so the but is defined by all of our problems. But instead he says, no, no, let's find another way. And, and, and guess what? That creative juice on the inside of you will lead you into the solution. Pastor Arthur, he said, hey, we got to reach evangelism. How are we going to reach? Hey, everybody loves soccer. Let's do soccer for souls. 10,000 people have given their lives to the Lord through soccer for souls. That's amazing, hey? But get creative. Don't let your circumstances define you. Jesus is with you. Look at the progression. This, this verse has a progression. God, God's word is to determine what we say and how we say it. What determines what you say and how you say it? When you speak God's word, you're going to get God's results. We speak the word ourselves, and we speak it to ourselves. Meditate, speak to yourself in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Our way becomes prosperous, and then we have good success when we do this. Joshua 1.9, get ready to close. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of courage, of a good courage? Be not afraid, neither to be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. How often do you need to be told God is with you? How often do you need to hear that? Joshua needed to hear it a hundred times because he didn't believe it. He wasn't ready to lead the people. He, he, everything had happened. He was anointed. He knew it, but he couldn't get to it. But after God finally gets Joshua's attention, 
He tells him for the third time, be strong, be courageous. But then God adds two new things. Be not afraid, do not tremble or be dreadful, and do not be dismayed. That means don't be shattered, don't be scared, don't be paralyzed by fear. When these are added by the Lord, something happens. Why, why, why do you think God added these? For the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou goest. So we know why God's talking to Joshua the way he is, because Moses is dead. Joshua is afraid. He lacks the confidence. He lacks the confidence he needs to lead Israel. Even though he's been named Moses' successor. And that was a year earlier. It was a year now that had gone by. It's one thing to know that you're a man of God. It's one thing to know that at some point you're going to be the man. It's quite another thing when the day arrives. It's one thing to be called the pastor of a church. It's another thing to be the pastor of the church. It's one thing to be called into ministry. It's another thing to do the ministry. Many of us have understand, I think, what Joshua was feeling. I think we understand what it's like to feel inadequate, for the, to fulfill our calling in the body of Christ. I think we all understand that Jesus is no longer here physically. I think we all understand that we're supposed to act in his stead. And quite frankly, I think there are some of us that are scared to death. We're frightened. We're afraid of what people think. We're afraid of what if, whatever that what if is. What if I pray for someone and nothing happens? What if I command a demon to leave and it, and, and it doesn't? What if? What if? What, what if? What if? In this record from Joshua 1, God is telling us not to be afraid. Not to be consumed with the what-ifs that life will throw at us. His command is simple. Be confident. Be at peace. Keep your thoughts focused on my word. Meditate on my word. Speak my word. Fear nothing. Don't be swayed by what you see and by what you hear and what you feel. I am with you. He says, when you're obeying me, I'm with you. Everywhere you go, and I'm ready to give you everything you need to be prosperous and to be successful. I'm so... Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.